seated. This time, if you would like to go to We Worship, if you're kindergarten and under, uh, you may walk to the back where Josh and Carissa are at. Uh, looks like someone else is back there, too. Um, and so then you can meet with your parents after church. If you will turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. Um, we are reading through uh, much of the New Testament, especially focusing on uh, Paul and John's letters. Uh, now, though, we're exploring 1 Peter. And so some of you, uh, after reading Revelation, are uh, re <laughs> breathing a sigh of relief uh, that you are reading this this morning and thinking, I can understand what I'm reading. Uh, some of you are wishing we would go back to Revelation because you have a lot of questions left unanswered. Um, but uh, Lord willing, we hopefully in uh, 2022 uh, will be getting into Revelation. Uh, but we've got to move on uh, into 1 Peter, and you'll see that there will be some themes, especially as you get to 2 Peter, uh, that will connect with what we've been reading in Revelation. Um, also, uh, we have been preparing some reading guides uh, for First and Second Peter for this month, and so if you'd like to pick one of those up, they should be on the table. Uh, as you leave, you should uh, be able to get one of those, and uh, you can use it, especially if you have children. But I found the adults have enjoyed the children's pages as much as the children, uh, and so we've had requests, uh, hey, keep these in, we, we enjoy these. Uh, so um, it's interesting how we learn uh, through the different, uh, different methods. I was reading uh, this past week an article, um, and it was for people of South Carolina, uh, and preparing them uh, for what to do when the earthquake hits. Uh, evidently, there were some more uh, tremors recently in the Charleston area. My grandmother grew up in, uh, in, nor in North Charleston, and so I remember as a child them talking about the big one, that someday the big one's going to come, and my grandmother could have um, had, she wasn't old enough to remember the big one in Charleston, uh, but it was certainly impacted her life. And I remember taking the tours and you see the earthquake bolts uh, that are on all the buildings there, and, and that there's someday there's going to be such an earthquake that will uh, leave all the buildings unshaky and rock the world, uh, or rock that part of the world anyway. Uh, and so it's interesting when we think about that to, to realize that there will be a day when those things that we've always held as sure and certain will not be sure and certain. Uh, and that's one of the things that Revelation has taught us, is uh, that the only sure thing will be Christ. Uh, and so Peter is writing to believers all over the region in the empire of Rome, and uh, he's letting them know that suffering is going to, to come. It, it is there. And encouraging them in the trials that are to have their hope in Christ, who is, as we have sung, the chief cornerstone. And so as we read chapters 1 and chapter 2, you're going to hear that theme of how we go through trials and holding on uh, to hope. We uh, preached on this book first peter back in 2018 and so uh that's now been um three and a half years uh since then and the world has changed uh since we uh went into this book and back then it was the theme of having uh hope in a strange world 
Uh, some of you may remember those phrases because we used it every, every week for a while, having hope in a strange world. Uh, and that captured what Peter was trying to teach us, as well as all believers, to understand where our hope lies as strangers, all right, as strangers in a world that's foreign to Christ and hostile to Christ. And so with that being said, I, I'm going to bring back some things that I shared with you back in February of 2018. And I was reluctant because all of you have great memories. <laughs> but I was assured that, uh, that you could uh, stand reminding of these things. And so with that, we're going to look into uh, 1 Peter. And what I'd like to do is read uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And then uh, if we will go down uh, to verse 20 of chapter 1, and we'll read into chapter 2. So if you will stand as we read in honor of this being God's word. Peter, apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again to living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. If you go down to verse 20, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who praised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice, and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. But you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 
Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. You may be seated. I want to focus in with chapter 2, verse 4, as we look at this cornerstone idea, this metaphor that we find in Scripture in the Old and New Testament. As we'll read verse 4, the Bible is describing Jesus as a living stone rejected by men, but indeed made by God to be the very corner of which this kingdom would be built. So, my first question, we're going to bring out the observation that the, Jesus is the cornerstone of life, but is Christ the cornerstone of your life? That's the question. Is Christ the cornerstone of your life? Uh, so we look at this, we understand the, the idea of a cornerstone, that it is uh, from which the whole edifice is based upon and dependent upon. If you ever played Jenga, you know that eventually you're going to come across a linchpin piece, that, uh, which most of the weight is resting upon, and, and if you take that out, then the whole edifice will fall down. So the Bible is teaching that Jesus is that linchpin for eternity. And if he is the linchpin for eternity, is he the linchpin of your life, of your heart, of your affections, of what you invest in? You see, the thing is, our hearts are very narrow. And they can only have really one precious thing of which everything becomes precious depending on that. You're going to find that life is going to hewn out things in our heart, in our mind, and it will turn rough edges into whatever your foundation is. And so if your foundation is Christ, if what you lean on and depend, and, and you think about this as a life foundation, what you lean into and what you let your gravity shift. We have shared with you in times past that every once in a while I will pick up my uh, 50-pound dog and hold him, cradle him like a baby, and I will say to him, who is your daddy? All right, so I had read or heard somewhere that you can tell if a dog is an alpha dog, that if you do that, then they all start squirming and stuff, but it's a good way to communicate that you are the alpha dog of his pack, so I don't know if that's true or not, but I do it, and, uh, and the dog has learned to rest there for at least a little while, right, and, and so part of it is to understand, hey, I've got your life in my hands, um, you are dependent on me. And so when we think about Christ as the cornerstone, it's as if Christ is asking us, who is your daddy? Who is the one that sustains you? Who holds you up? Who do you lean into? So what does it mean for Christ to be your foundation? It is to say that your goals line up with Christ. If you ever played in the, in the nursery when they had the whole blocks and you try to make the tower as tall as you could, the secret to it is to make sure that every piece was lining up exactly on that bottom block. And if it was off by a degree or two, it's just going to be a matter of time before it falls down. So let me ask you, do your goals 
Do your values line up with the foundation of Jesus Christ? Is he directing and shaping you? And so when you go through life and you establish or you declare by faith that Christ is your foundation, the Holy Spirit will come into your life and will use the events of your days and the relationships around you and the Word of God to convict and instruct and teach you when the values veer off. And so this is part of what it means to have Christ as our foundation. But let me just assure you that if He is your foundation, we will not be ashamed. As we've learned in Revelation, the question is not are we on the right side of history, but are we on the right side of Christ? So, verse 4, as you come to Him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Why should we look to this? Why should he be the cornerstone of our life? Well, first I would bring to you that he is the cornerstone of the church. Verse 5. He is the cornerstone of the church. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. All right, so now he's bringing the metaphor of the church to a temple or a building and saying that, for this to work out right, we've got to line ourselves up as living stones. And so when you look at one another as a believer in Christ, understand that each one of us are living stones. And when we consider this as a church, if we're to be built up, if we're going to follow this metaphor of being living stones. It's the idea of Christian laid up upon Christian, stacked upon Christian, upon believer, upon follower of Christ, that we're all stacked together there's something to proximity of believers that's one of the things that we've learned since last time we looked at this in 2018 i never would have issued us to say hey let's learn what it means the value of being together by being apart but that's what god instructed us and allowed us to do but in the meanwhile we realize there's something to being with one another it, it, it isn't quite the same as the virtual connection. And so there needs to be the proximity of the life of someone around the life of someone else that's dependent on Christ, that has a shaping, influencing, encouraging, convicting, praying influence within our life that we believe the Holy Spirit is working through. And so to say that we are being built up as a spiritual house, and, and notice the verb tense, being built up, being built up as a spiritual house, it's present tense. That means in the ongoing day, today, in the Christian relationships, to the degree of the depth of the relationships, is to the degree you're being built up into God, into one another. So let me ask you, what degree are you allowing another believer to be into your life? Are we just settling on the surface issues and trying to be polite? and do our duty and just show up, are we allowing someone to speak into our life and opening up to them? To the degree you allow believers into your life, to the degree you're allowing Christ to work into your life through them. And it is the degree that God is inhabiting us to say that we are being built up together in Christ. We can come to Christ apart from community, but there is something different in the community that peter is addressing so you don't have to come to be church to be saved but we come to church because we are saved 
And it is a compulsion that is in our heart because we seek and long for Jesus. And we believe that there is a way of understanding and experiencing Jesus through the various people of our church. And that's a mystery. But yet it's one the Holy Spirit seems to use. So, we're to be a holy priesthood. But as we keep on reading, we find why is it important for us to have Christ, the cornerstone of life? He also provides the very purpose of a church. You see this as we keep on reading, verse 5. We're to be a holy priesthood. Why? To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we worship by giving our time, our gifts, our talents, our abilities to serve Jesus Christ in the Nightdale Raleigh World Community in 2021. But it's not just to be these spiritual sacrifices, but we keep on reading. If you go down to verse 9, you are to be a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You ever remember what it's like to have no power in your house? It's a miserable state. You get dependent on electricity and light. (laughs) To understand that the world walks in darkness. But when we proclaim the excellencies of Christ, we're proclaiming the one who's called us out of darkness into the marvelous light. We're explaining why we are the way we are. It's interesting, Coach Bear Bryant uh, of Alabama fame, uh, one of the greatest coaches uh, in college uh, football, uh, one of the things as he looked back on his life, that one of his regrets was that he did not talk about his faith. That there was all these impressions and impact he was making on people, but he wished he had spent more time talking about the why he was the way he was, his faith. Part of the reason we exist as a church, part of the reason why we gather here together is to proclaim that Jesus is great. That he is worthy of living our life on. So that when we sing, we are singing to proclaim the greatness of Jesus Christ. The excellencies of him who called us out of darkness. And so it is to be done with our life. To say that we are to have a vibrant worship singing time. Because it expresses the life that Christ is giving us. One of the things when we went to sing conference a couple weeks ago. I never thought about it, but when you are singing with a group of people, it is a way of practicing mutual submission to one another. You ever thought about that? God has called us as believers to practice mutual submission to one another. So the very act of singing is, it can't be done unless we submit to one another and how it goes about. You remember when we did the Zoom, uh, you know, and when we did Easter two years ago on Zoom, it was horrendous when we tried to sing. I think we did the doxology or something, you know, something very simple. and It, it was horrible. Because we couldn't hear one another to sing in tune with the other person. So we were all just kind of 
doing our thing and the computer would grab one person who happened to be the loudest or closest to the microphone and it just it I was like I, I didn't want to do that again <laughs> I felt bad because there was a small group and Josh was there he's at my house and and they decided to sing together I was like oh no <laughs> and I wasn't in the zoom I was just in the and so Josh trying to sing and they're all trying to sing it and I'm dying laughing and Josh is trying to keep it together, and they all feel bad because Josh is laughing at him. But it's, it's, we need to hear one another. There, there's this idea called, uh, I'd never heard of it before until we were at the scene conference, of mutual entrainment, uh, where your brain actually takes something from the outside and conforms a pattern to what they're hearing and the pace and the speed of it and the meter. Not just in the rhythm and the song, but in the lyric. Theology. And so when we're singing, we're proclaiming the excellencies of Christ. But we're not just singing to Christ. We're singing to one another. So we're gonna we're gonna do something different. We're gonna sing. And I've already warned David James because I didn't want to leave this part. <laughs> All right. Uh, but y'all, we've already sung the course uh, a few times in different ways to the song on Christ the solid rock I stand. All right. So we're going to sing the chorus. Dave James, if you'll stand up, let's all stand up. Dave James, you stand up because I don't want to be up here. I'm going to cut my mic off. <laughs> Thank you. There, that'd be fine. And uh, we'll just sing on Christ the Solid Rock of Stand, the chorus of it. But as you sing, once you start singing, get the rhythm of it, turn around and look at the people around. All right? <laughs> Because we're singing to one another. All right, y'all ready? Go ahead, David James. of what this is saying when we are called together to be his people to proclaim the excellencies of Jesus Christ that's the point of worship that's the benefit is we get to encourage one another as we do this well let's keep on reading as we think about the purpose of the church and proclaiming the greatness of who Christ is then we go to verse 9. talks about what Christ, or verse 6, what Christ is being done as a chosen, precious cornerstone. And we realize there's a choice. A choice that we can make. Either he will be the which we establish our life, or he will become the standard of our future judgment. Why should we live our life based on Christ? Because he provides the standard for future judgment. I was leading a class and I tried to warn them uh, last few weeks. I, I said, you might want to remember what we're talking about here. Asterisk, star it, because you will need to know this. 
It was, happened to be about prophecy. So you, you will need to know about this in the near and far future. And so they're starting to get the hint. And so the very next time I met with them the next week, I said, all right, guys, it's time for a pop quiz. And then they started to moan about it. So well, I've told you. I warned you in advance of what we will be tested on. So here we have Scripture telling us in advance of which all of life will be evaluated. What you do with Christ. And not just whether you intellectually believe that Jesus is something special, but whether you have seen that he is worthy of building your life upon. Jesus has said it in his own sermon that it's, it's like two builders, one who built their house on sand and one who built the house on on rock, and when the storms came, those that built it on the sand washed away, and there was nothing that remained. But the one who built his house on the rock is the one who endured the storms with something still to stand. And he said, the one who hears my teachings and obeys them is the one who builds his house upon the rock. And so it's not just an intellectual belief, but understanding that that's what we live our life on. That's what shapes our values. He becomes the standard of future judgment. Keep on reading. We get to verse 9. We realize that we are to build our life upon Christ because He provides the promise for the church. The church is built on this promise of verse 9. You are a chosen race or a choice people. Chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession. He's Referencing passages from Hosea chapter 1, verse 6 and 9, chapter 10. He's, he's referencing passages from Exodus and from Isaiah that declare that God is one day building up a people for himself. Who though they were of not of note of any way, but because of Christ, they become noteworthy. That is who we are in Christ. A people for his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So this promise, our only hope in life and in death is that we're not our own, but belong to God in body, in soul, and in life and death. Listen, part of my job as a pastor of the gospel of Jesus Christ is to prepare you dying because it's not just dying it's living with Christ and the foundation of whenever it comes when death comes knocking you must remember that your only hope is that you're not your own but you belong to God body and soul and life and death to say that Jesus Christ has made us his possession it is the promise of the church Remember what Peter's doing? Peter is writing them, encouraging them in the midst of trials and sufferings to know what's happening in the Roman Empire that will happen to Peter himself one day. Tradition tells us that he himself was crucified. He says, my only hope is a living hope is that I belong to Jesus Christ. Remember that and carry on in a world that think you strange. Carry on because you belong to him. The promise of Christ. And so consequently, why do we center our life on Christ? Because he supplies the power of the church. The power of the church is not our marketing. It's not our building. 
It's not Facebook. It's not a slick preacher, preacher, effective children's ministry, outreach, methods, and programs. It is God working through his people. Dependent on the power of Christ. Power to do what? To do what? Well, keep on reading and notice verse 10. Once you're not a people, now you're God's people. Once you had not mercy, you received mercy, but now you receive mercy. Beloved, so the, the power is the mercy of Christ that he's giving us. That's one of the things we've learned in the gentle and lowly study is that he loves to give us mercy. That that was his first direction. That what he wants to do is give us the mercy and love and grace. And so that becomes our power to work. So verse 11, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul. And so we talk about power, to power what? Power to fight, but not what you think, not politicians, not adversarial people to the faith, that the first order of the battle is within ourself. One of the things I've shared with you before, that the greatest danger is not the government. The greatest danger is the sin in our own heart. And so, he gives us mercy so that we can abstain from the passions of flesh which war against your own soul. So when you think, oh, what? I can indulge myself in just a little bit, right? You need to understand that whatever you call indulgement is really ammunition to fight against the Spirit of Christ in your life. And so what you constantly are feeding will be the greater enemy. And so if you're nourishing the Spirit of Christ in your life, it will stand against the powers that are in your own heart. So there's the power to fight, the internal fight, mercy of God, we can have mercy of Christ in our life, so that, verse 12, we can keep our conduct among the Gentiles honorably. This is the power to promote. The mercy of Christ, the Holy Spirit working in our life so that we will conduct ourselves honorably among a world that does not know Jesus Christ. This is why it does matter how the church handles sex abuse. That's probably the biggest thing right now in at least the Southern Baptist circles. And that's the test that's going out. How will these churches deal with sex abuse? This is part of what it means to conduct ourselves honorably among the Gentiles. And then, verse 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation to understand that you will be in the midst of conflict. This is a hostile environment. They do not like the values of Christ. They see it as in the way of the agendas the world would like to see carried out. And as long as you stay faithful in Christ, you will be a stick in the mud for them. There is a conflict that is happening, and so there is needed 
the mercy of Christ. Listen, if you try to deal with the conflicts of the world around you, but your life is not lined up in Jesus Christ, your values are not resting in Him, you will be burnt up, slaughtered in your soul. You must depend on the resources that are available, and that's the mercy of Jesus Christ, which happens as we line ourselves up with who He is. There is a day of visitation. Notice what happens. So when they speak against you as evil doers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. I wonder when the day of visitation comes, when God calls matters to a conclusion, will there be people who will glorify God because they remembered your life and conduct among them? And though they may not have received Christ, they knew they were impacted because there's someone who loved Christ in their midst. We're not always called to win the war, so to speak. That's God's job. Our job is to be faithful in our witness in the conflict. Come what may. Many years ago when we visited Yemen, we looked over across the valley to a little community called Jibla. And in Jibla was a big edifice, different from all the other buildings in, uh, in that area of the world. Why it was so different was because the Southern Baptists, many decades ago, built a hospital there. They ran that hospital uh, all the way into the 80s and then into the 90s. They called uh, the staff away eventually and gave away the building. One of the reasons why was because of uh, Dr. Martha Myers. Dr. Martha Myers was from the Alabama area, felt called into missions even as a child. And so as a child, followed her heart and the heart of Christ into missions and uh, ended up in the area of Yemen. She was a medical doctor and trained in that way, gynecology, uh, as well as um, um, giving birth. <laughs> Someone tell me what that word is later on. Um, and there she was a faithful witness among the Yemeni, um, where Al-Qaeda was originally based, and the base of Yemen. She was known for her love. She served there for 25 years. So she delivered many hundreds of babies. On her late night village visits, there was always a love and care for the people. But it made her a target. One woman went home and told her husband that she had never been treated with such love and compassion. And she was a follower of Isa, Jesus Christ. The man, extreme Muslim, was so angered. And you realize... If this woman persists, she will win this whole nation over to Christ by her love. So that produced anger. So he burst into the Jibba hospital, gunned down Martha and two of her colleagues. Her grave stands there in Yemen to this day as a testimony love of Christ and the Yemeni people, 40,000 Yemeni people came to her funeral. 40,000. 
the love of Christ and a strange, hostile world. And places that you think there's no, there's no light. Christ has a way of showing his light. But it takes people who are chosen, precious, a royal priesthood, who represent Christ, who have their values lined up with Christ, and so they do not think it strange that they die in a strange world, because that's what Christ did too. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the words of Peter. I thank you for the gift of Christ, chief cornerstone, either through which everything will be built upon in our life or which will be the standard of our own condemnation and judgment. But Lord, for those of us who lean on Christ, who need you, who plead for your mercy through Jesus and have hope because your son Jesus died for us and rose again. For those of us who lean on that, that there is great, exceeding, precious promises by which we can escape the nature of this world. By which we can fight, promote, Father, to, to deal with the conflict. Lord, we pray that you would continue to raise up this church into your spiritual house. Allow us to be built up together in your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord. Father, help us to, in this day, Judge the day by whether we were able to proclaim the excellencies of your name. Father, that the worth of a day is not measured in whether it was easy or comfortable or the trials were less or more, but whether we had opportunity and we took it to proclaim your name, the greatness of who you are. Father, give us new metrics, give us a new standard by which we can live our life and, and hope and direct and make our decisions. And Father, give us your spirit through which we can see one another. Lord, that you help us not just to see the failings of people around us, but help us to see you in them. And that we would long to serve you in them. And that as we pray for one another, as we encourage one another, as we lift up one another, that we would do so with anticipation to see more of you. And then in the doing of it, may you shine forth through us, Lord. Father, you are so faithful. that It doesn't matter the world kingdom or the age we live. You are still the same. And your mercy is great. We thank you that each day we can look and see your mercy given out to us. Thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Great is Thy faithfulness, O God, my
I'd like to introduce to you uh, Miss Pat. This is Miss Pat Locklear. Uh, Miss Pat has moved from the Fayetteville area, uh, and what, maybe a year ago, uh, you moved into this area uh, right across the street uh, off of Hodge Road and um, Daniel Circle, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it's when she's living with her family, her daughter. Um, and uh, so uh, they found out about this church. I guess you looked online, right? And then uh, watched online services for a while. And we happened, John and I happened to meet her while we were out visiting. Uh, Miss Julie Allen lives over there near her. And uh, daughter came out and said, I've got someone I, I need, to, uh, need to meet you. And I'm thinking, I don't know who lives here. <laughs> um, uh, and so she came out and got to talk with Miss Pat. And uh, after a visitor, it was right before I left to go to um, Ecuador. Mm-hmm. And so I asked her, I said, Miss Pat, would you pray for me? Uh, while I go, and I uh, came back, and she was asking about how the trip went, and was praying for me, and so she's been a part of our church even, uh, even before this time, uh, just through prayer, and uh, and of course in attendance as well. Uh, so she's gone through our class, the Day of Growth class already, and uh, wishes to uh, let you guys know that she uh, is joining by statement of faith, believes Jesus Christ as her Savior and Lord, has been baptized already since that decision, and uh, believes that God is leading her. Uh, to be a part of uh, this church body. And so we are happy to have you, Ms. Pat. And uh, we're going to be praying for her. Um, she's not going to be available uh, for greeting, um, yeah, just to, to protect her. And uh, so you'll have to uh, greet her on your own uh, sometime when it's not so uh, overwhelming. Uh, and you, she usually sits right back there next to Miss <laughs> Joyce, Joyce Kelly over there. They uh, partner up quickly here. 
and uh, love for you guys to, to get to know her and to meet her and uh, be a part as well. And so we're glad to have you. We'll give you what we call the right hand of fellowship. Be a part. If you will uh, pray for her, uh, anytime you make a decision to follow the Lord, uh, in, in whatever way, you can expect some challenges and obstacles to that. So if you'll be praying for Miss Pat, um, and, and praying for your family too. Your daughter's name, I, I can't, Tara, okay. Uh, so her daughter's Tara, you can pray for them as well. Um, and uh, we'll be uh, presenting this at a church meeting uh, later on whenever we, we have that time, all right? But if you will uh, commit to pray for her, would you say amen? Amen. amen. All right, thank you, Ms. Pat. Um, who's? Thank you, Jeff. Jeff, if you'll lead us in our prayer, uh, as we are in Christ as a family together, loving our neighbors, Near and far, advancing the message of the Savior for the glory of our Creator. And so the prayer is a part of that. Let's go to the Lord. Father, you have graciously called us into community. Single and married couples can be friends and serve God together. Father, that is a war-torn country full of destruction, of greed, of sin in all manner and forms. Lord, a country where the president was murdered two months ago, where there have been storms and hurricanes and earthquakes and all manner of, of things, where the population is 50% are undernourished. And Lord, last Sunday, the pastor of First Baptist Church in Port-au-Prince was murdered and his wife was taken, kidnapped, captured. Lord, in the midst of that environment is your ministry hope rising, providing water wells, providing churches, providing schools, Christian schools, and homes, Lord, we thank you so much for that ministry. We thank you for their courage and their conviction in the midst of, of that challenging environment. We ask for your blessing. And Lord, right down the corridor, just a few steps away from us right now, is a beautiful Hispanic church. And their name, Lord, translated is Jesus Christ, the Sovereign God Church. Thank you, Lord, for those folks. Thank you that we were able to have facilities to support them. Thank you for the growth that they've experienced as we all come back out of COVID. And Lord, thank you so much for their courage and their conviction. Lord, as I look on their website, they have a statement that talks about the sanctity of marriage and the sanctity of human life. Lord, I pray that you strengthen them, that you grow them, that you honor them in all that they do. We love you, Lord, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, Green Pines, you are sent.